0: I'm Matsudiso, a musician, songwriter, producer and composer, I also teach. I'm fascinated by process, how we make what we make, why we make what we make. As a musician, I'm always learning from and inspired by other creatives, other musicians, artists, the arts itself, people, in short, life, all inform the music I make. And I think that learning from others enriches not only our own art, but the arts. And why holding up the ladder? Well, because we're all trying to get somewhere and I think we build something stronger if we help each other. If we hold up the ladder rather than pull it up from under us as we climb. I'll be talking to all kinds of creatives about process, lessons learned, things that inspire us, the music we're listening to, what makes us who we are and the help we've had along the way. So join me as we climb, holding up the ladder. If ever a discussion exemplifies why I'm so fascinated about process, the conversation you're about to hear is it, the voice.
1: I love to know why. Mm -hmm. Why does this do this? What is going on? When I make this sound, what's actually happening? It wasn't just enough for me. You know, I'd had some singing teacher say, copy me, do this and you'll be fine. Or, um, you know, the really old school, darling, make this sound and everything will work for you. Okay, that's great, but what's happening? Oh, you don't need to worry about what's happening, just do it. Well, actually, I really did need to know what was happening.
0: What started as my desire to remove some of the taboos around vocal health and singing teachers, this was just meant to be a short bonus episode, turned into a far deeper conversation.
1: I won't teach people how to replicate another singer. I'm much more interested in saying, who are you? And what's the sound you want to produce that's authentically you? And how do we find it?
0: Rob Cates is an elite vocal coach professional, one of only a handful of vocal coaches accredited by Vocology and Practice in the UK. He teaches commercial artists, musical theatre singers, actors, gospel singers, both in the UK and internationally. He also coaches various choirs and regularly leads workshops and training events. I've known Rob for nearly 10 years and I don't know anyone who understands the voice like he does and is also so passionate about it. You'll hear that passion come through in this interview. Rob shares so many nuggets, so many pearls of wisdom. We talk about the complexity and uniqueness of the voice, how the sound of the voice changes according to not only location, but neighbourhood to neighbourhood and street to street. We talk about how the instrument of the voice is inseparable from the person themselves. We talk about vulnerability, how mental health and trauma impacts the voice. We even talk about Usain Bolt and how sports psychology has impacted vocal research. I don't think you need to be a singer to appreciate this conversation. It truly blew my mind. I hope it does the same for you. Um, Rob, thank you so much for being part of this
1: it's such a joy to be here thanks for having me
0: thank you for sharing your knowledge i know it's something we talk about vocals a lot with you so thank you so much for sharing your knowledge with us
1: oh it's all great everyone loves a bit of vocal geekery
0: (laughs) so (laughs) let's start by you introducing yourself tell us a little bit about who you are and how you became a vocal coach
1: Yeah, hi everyone. Uh, My name is Rob, Rob Cates, and I'm a technical vocal coach. Now, (laughs) what that means is I am uh, slightly obsessed with the way the voice works and helping people to learn how to access their real voice, the instrument itself, how to get the sound out of your instrument Uh, that you want, not the sound that another singing teacher wants you to make, but the sound you want. And so the way I got into that was I had singing teachers for years and years and um, loved singing. I actually started off in choral direction in directing gospel choirs and arranging for choirs and all that kind of stuff, which was amazing, so much fun. And um, then when I trained to become a secondary school music teacher, I wrecked my voice shouting. <laughs> and uh, this was in the days before I'd learned classroom craft. And um, I went to the voice clinic and they stuck a camera up my nose and down my throat. And they were like, well, there's nothing wrong. We can't see anything. Let's send you for speech therapy. So seven years of speech therapy was not fixing this. And I'd had a classical singing teacher who was pretty old school, wonderful lady um but uh, the technique was not really helping me with my singing of gospel or commercial music or anything like that and i wasn't improving in my speaking either and i kept losing my voice eventually ended up at the royal national throat nose and ear hospital with the incredible dr ruth epstein who's like europe's leading uh, speech and language therapist or speech pathologist if you're an american listening to this same thing and um managed to just ask her every question i ever wanted to know about voice and different voice methods and techniques and stuff and uh as i was listing them i started listing the techniques i'd been taught and she's like no 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 this is terrible i see more people with wrecked voices from this than anything else and oh no you must stop that at once and then um i went through some others and she was like "Mm, no that's not great either and then eventually i came across one and i said what about this and she said yeah it's okay just don't go crazy so i then went straight from there and booked myself on to the course to study all about that particular type of voice methodology and i did that course and in five days my voice transformed
0: wow
1: honestly it was night and day for me and i remember on the last day of that course going to the park at lunchtime and being overwhelmed with emotion because suddenly I was able to do with my voice what I'd spent the last 10-15 years trying to do Um, and suddenly my voice was released and then I basically became full-on vocal geek going I have to know everything that I can possibly know in order to become the best singer I can for myself but also I want to help other people find this level of freedom and joy in their voices so that's it in a nutshell really.
0: I love that. And tell me, you know, why do you think what was so special about what you learned that in five days, your voice transformed and something that had taken like, you know, 10 years and then changed in five days?
1: (laughs) Um, I love to know why. Why does this do this? What is going on? When I make this sound, what's actually happening? It wasn't just enough for me. You know, I'd had some singing teacher say, copy me, do this, and you'll be fine. Or, um, you know, the really old school, darling, make this sound and everything will work for you. Um, Mm -hmm. Okay, that's great. But what's happening? Oh, you don't need to worry about what's happening. Just do it. Well, actually, I really did need to know what was happening. And while Imagery is a really powerful way of teaching. It really is. And I, I, I don't rubbish that at all. And I use lots of imagery. For me, I wanted to know and needed to know what the individual muscles and mechanisms and bits and pieces of the voice were doing. Because, uh, you know, a singing teacher would say to me, just try this. And I'd go, but what is it meant to feel like? How am I going to know that I'm actually doing what you're asking me to do? And so on this course, I learned to begin to feel what the instrument should feel like when we make a particular sound. Um, Now there are some things in the system that we cannot feel and so we need to learn, well, what is the referred sensation? Uh, If we can't feel this actual thing moving, what does, what are the things around it feel like? Or what does that sound feel like in another part of the body or the system? And so that was the thing that was so powerful for me, was learning what it should and should not feel like to make a particular sound.
0: Right, I love that, I love that. And and, um, tell me a little bit also about um, you mentioned right at the top of our conversation, finding your voice. So not the voice that someone wants you to sound like, but finding your voice. Speak a little bit to me about what that is and how does one find one's voice?
1: It's such a great question. And particularly for singer-songwriters um, and commercial artists who come to see me, this is a an essential question, as well as worship leaders Um it used to less be a question for musical theatre singers because there used to be a kind of musical theatre sound that everyone wanted to replicate because if you didn't, you didn't get into the shows. That is no longer true in musical theatre, which is a really welcome shift. And what's happening in musical theatre in the West End at the moment is really exciting and really extraordinary. And so I'm working with far more singers in the West End now who really want to find the uniqueness of their sound because finally that's what producers are watching wanting more and more this authenticity of sound and so finding our sound can be for some people a process of applying vocal paint stripper (laughs) getting away from the layers and layers of learned behaviors that have caused people to and also frankly bad teaching um, that has caused people to end up trying to replicate someone else's sound or produce a sound that they think someone else wants to hear or trying to please a singing teacher and you know that is not the way to go what we want is What is your instrument? What is your voice? It's like, it's no good me picking up a Stradivarius violin and hoping it will sound like a saxophone. It's not gonna happen, you know? And as much as I try, try as I might, it's not gonna happen. Um, And so, you know, I may want to sound like Aretha Franklin. It ain't gonna happen, you know? I can do an impression or an impersonation. (laughs) don't ask me to do it Um, but but it's it's still never gonna be authentically her and one of the things we love about the greatest recording artists is the level of authenticity that they walk in now that is not the same as saying they are the greatest technicians of voice that's not the same thing Um, and so uh, I don't want to criticize anyone's technique but let's take for instance the wonderful Adele you know one of my favorite artists, when we listen to her voice, what do we hear? We hear authenticity and vulnerability. We do not hear an attempt to sound like someone else. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, she doesn't even attempt to hit the highest notes in the world, all the bells and whistles. She's not going for the loudest sound, she's not going for this or that or the other. She's just uniquely and wonderfully herself, and that's why we all love and adore her. And Uh, I I just have nothing but admiration and respect for her. Similarly, let's take someone else with a different kind of vocal facility. Let's take J-Hud, let's take Jennifer Hudson, you know. Good grief, is there anything that woman cannot do? You know, uh, uh, and what do we have though? We have at the same time, someone who can do Aretha. We have someone who can do Etta James. Um, We have someone who can do these incredible voices and yet is so wonderfully, uniquely herself. And when she sings in her own voice and her own material, it is undeniably her. Um, Then let's take someone like Bob Dylan. Now, it's like no one, you know, I'm not being rude about him, but no one, he's not going to win any prizes for vocal technique. It doesn't matter. Yeah. He's so wonderfully, uniquely him. So my number one thing is, it's you must stop trying to imitate other people. In the, as in the first instance, in order to find your voice, don't copy someone else. Now I do have people come and see me and say, I would be able to love to hit notes like this person, or I'd love to have a bit of grit in my voice a bit like that person. And so we can talk about what are the things in other artists that you appreciate and that you love, but I won't teach someone unless they have to do it for a show, for a TV show, for a movie, or for on stage for something where they have to be able to uh, replicate something. I won't teach people how to replicate another singer. I'm much more interested in saying who are you and what's the sound you want to produce that's authentically you and how do we find it?
0: rob i love that i love that for so many reasons you know the real voice i think you know for someone perhaps who who's wanting to sound like some someone trying to grow their voice and they're hearing what you're saying that i mean my first thought is, well how where do i start if you're starting in you know you want to grow the, uh, my question is how
1: well uh, at the risk of sounding self-promoting you find a great coach yeah. <laughs> um, but I think it starts in the core of your identity as well. It starts with an exploration of learning who you are as a human being, who you were created to be. And here's the thing. Um, if you were created with a voice, you were created with a voice to communicate something. Um, and I had a client here once, him and his wife came to see me um, a few times many years ago, big, big, Guy with a huge voice, um, a booming bass baritone voice, um, but when he spoke, he'd speak very quietly, and it would be like this. And he would have his so-called inside voice, you know. And I, I turned to him one day and I said, "Why do you speak like that?" And he said, "What do you mean?" And his wife was like, "Oh, because he's so loud." And I said, "But you know, God created you with this body, with this instrument, and why are you trying to dumb it down the whole time?" You know, why don't you let us hear it? Because if God gave you that voice, he also gave you something to say. He gave you something to communicate. So I think this is less about... Uh, your speaking voice in and of itself and you actually reconciling to the fact that this is something to do with who you are and not being ashamed of who you are and what it is that you have to share with the world and so to artists the same thing is true what do you have to communicate what is the message that is on the inside of you who are you made to be so the very first thing is you have to become comfortable in your own skin If you're not comfortable with who you are, you're going to start masking. And there are so many people when they come to see me, the voice doesn't match the person. And so what people, you know, it's very interesting. Often in the first lesson I say to people, even people who are professionals, who've been singing for 20 years, who are doing eight shows a week in the West End or whatever, they come in. And very often what they will do is they'll either try and show off and try and show me everything they can do or they'll hide from me. And we have this dynamic that goes on where we both things are a form of hiding showing off and trying to demonstrate everything how wonderful your technique is and how many things you can do you know we see it in uh, x-factor auditions someone who comes in and tries to show every bell and whistle and every belt and squeak and squawk and <laughs> everything they can do and then other people who hide and those people both camps are not the people who get through again it's the people who are connected to themselves who are authentic they're the people who get through And that's the same in the record industry. They're not looking for someone who sounds like someone else. But in order to do that, you have to know who you are. Or sometimes the opposite is true. People create a persona. And that persona is enough for them to get a record contract and a deal, right? Because there's something unique about the persona. I don't necessarily endorse that because I'd rather it be the real person rather than the persona. So the first thing is know who you are go on a journey. If that means you need therapy, get therapy. Right. Um, but it's really interesting. I was talking with a, a coach friend of mine who's on some of these TV shows uh, that we've mentioned. And we would, we were laughing and we were saying, you know, sometimes we just feel like cheap, cheap therapists, you know? Yeah. I'm not saying that either me or her are cheap, but you know, by com- comparison to a Harley street therapist, we are. And it's because the journey of being, being vulnerable with our voice is a journey of learning vulnerability, period. And so we have to be prepared to allow people to see our soul. We have to, you know, when you come for vocal lessons, it's a bit like going to the doctor and taking all your clothes off. Yeah. <laughs> it is it really is and all of you guys who record in studios you'll know when you're recording on a beautiful ribbon microphone or a condenser microphone and you're up close and you're you're you You know you can hear every little bit of saliva even in the mouth and all of that kind of thing you know the naked vulnerability there is in that and hearing it back and you know As listeners, we don't mind that. We actually love it. We, 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 we think it's wonderful, but you as the artist, the intense scrutiny with which you listen to yourself is a different time type of thing. Same with the vocal coach, but here's the thing. People who are listening to you want that level of vulnerability. Mm -hmm. So you have to get comfortable with that. So that's number one. And then it's a journey of technically, what do we do to help you, uh, find where your voice is freest and most happy to produce the sound that you want it to produce.
0: Here is an example of Rob teaching a lesson. You'll hear him referring to some of the technical aspects of singing. You go instead of before what was i doing
1: well this one the vocal fold there's much a much higher level of vocal fold closure uh, okay because you're using some intraoral pressure
0: oh okay
1: yeah okay. okay and also the b is helping the soft palate lift
0: okay
1: voilà so One of the other things it's important to say about the voice is that it's scientists tell us it is the most unique sound they have discovered in the whole of the universe. Even the uh, astronomers when they study the stars and you know they've got these amazing radio telescopes that can listen to sound in the cosmos. I mean it's tremendous and the sounds they're finding are so complex but they still have found nothing that compares to the complexity of the human voice and here is the thing it is more unique than your fingerprint wow it is phenomenally phenomenally unique and when we put the voice through a spectrograph and analyze it with a computer its complexity is stunning now what is that telling us first of all it's telling us that god created something absolutely incredible here but also it's telling us that our voice speaks of who we are, literally. And so we listen to different accents, and it tells us where someone is from. And when I hear you speak, Matzi, it doesn't just tell me where you're from geographically. It tells me about your family. It tells me about your DNA. It tells me about who you are and the experiences that you have been through in life. And all of those things have affected your voice. So there is, there's some amazing features of this that I'll give, just two examples. When I was studying music at university, and I did my dissertation, my undergraduate dissertation on British gospel music. One of the things I looked at was the difference in the sound between British gospel music and American gospel music. And one of the fundamental differences is the accent of the singers. And when I really got into it and uh, became a super geek back in the early noughties in this stuff, I would listen to Premier Gospel Radio every night, Gospel with Moiwa, and it's still going on Premier uh, Gospel Tonight. And I would put my fingers in my ear so I wouldn't hear who they were announcing, which choir it was. And even if I didn't know the choir, I could tell you which city they were from by listening to the way they sang. And then the more into it I got and the more geeky I became, I would be able to tell you which part of the city they came from. Wow. And what, when I started to, I mean, it's amazing. When I started to really get into it, what I realized was, over analyzing hundreds if not thousands of different gospel choirs was this the sound would change neighborhood to neighborhood to neighborhood not even just city to city but neighborhood to neighborhood there was a unique sound on each individual choir that was discernible and uh, was phenomenal. And that was not just because of the local community in terms of the neighborhood accent. It was also the unique identity of the choir within that church, which was just so amazing. So what we find is street by street, you can have different accents Mm. if you have ears to hear it. So the other thing to say about Um, voice and the uniqueness of voice is yes there's accent yes there's those kinds of things but um, it carries our life message with us and so we know that up to about two-thirds of voice disorders are what we call psychogenic now that doesn't mean it's all in the mind but what it says is that the mind-body connection is very very strong And so wellness in voice is very, very important. And one of the things that happens uh, is sometimes people will present with voice loss. And when you go into it, what you actually discover is that the voice loss occurred after a trauma. And so we know that people have been through really deep traumatic events such as war, or rape, or abuse, or all these kinds of things, or even grief within the family, like a, a, one of these life events that happens to us all at some point, a close family member dies, it affects the voice, people lose their voices. We know that in a lot of cases, stammers are connected to traumatic events in children's lives. And um, we also know that people's voices actually change after traumatic events. So sometimes it will be you listen to a before and after the, the voice, not always does someone lose their voice but there is a discernible shift in the timbre of the voice or way, the way someone speaks and so all of that is to say that the things that happen to us in our lives become a part of our voice mm-hmm. and that is also part of the beauty of the voice and i, I just encourage people go listen to dame judy dench do um Send in the Clowns at the proms. You can find it on YouTube. Send in the Clowns. Jane, Dame Judy Dench is not a singer. The, the fragility in her singing voice when she does that performance is amazing and beautiful in its own regard. The notes are flat, they break, they're, they're husky. It's all of those things. But it's so stunning because of her ability to communicate the song, but also because it carries with it the message of her life in her voice and there's something so beautiful about that and so we have to say that identity and uniqueness in voice is the life message that someone carries in that voice and that's the thing that to me is so stunning and so beautiful
0: I absolutely love what you have said and it makes me want to go and have some therapy. (laughs) (laughs) What the hell? But but what I find really interesting and it's a question I've always wondered and I think part of what you have said for me has explained it and it's why do you think there's this weird stigma around vocal coaching? Because if you... If you watch athletes, they're always talking about their coach. It, 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 it comes hand in hand. But people want to almost, when it comes to vocals, everyone wants to just feel like they arrived and that they just learnt by themselves in their room. But then the fact that you're touching on so much how to really sing you have to show yourself requires a level of vulnerability. And so you have to feel really safe and, I guess, acknowledge that you you need that support which again requires vulnerability and i think maybe that's why there is this stigma around vocal coaching but i'd love for you to sort of speak into that why do you think people are a bit funny about it
1: well let's talk about what goes on in sports coaching a lot of what we have learned about the voice and about the body has come through voice uh, sorry through a sports science research into the body because let's be frank about it there's more money in sports research than there is in voice research and so uh the university departments often struggle to get funding to research voice because uh it's just not as lucrative in one sense as sports but where has sports coaching gone over recent years it's gone into sports psychology Mm. and so how do coaches get the most out of their athletes Well, they get them a sports psychologist to spend time doing therapy with them and they will have their ritual that they perform before they go out on the field to run their 100 meter sprint. And you'll often see them doing ritualized type behaviors that help get them into the correct mindset, because very often it's the thing that stops great athletes becoming the best is their mind. It's not their body. Mm -hmm. And so When you look at someone like Usain Bolt run, what you sometimes notice is he's not the fastest out of the blocks, but he's the slowest to slow down. What are we saying there? What we're saying is he's the last one to tighten up. He stays the most relaxed. And when we tighten up, the body does not function properly. And so the sports psychologists, a lot of their work is working with the athlete in order to keep them loose and relaxed and allow the body to do what the body wants to do they simply need to send the message run that's it the body and the training will take over but if they get in their heads and start thinking other people are overtaking other people are overtaking i need to try harder that idea of trying harder is a huge barrier in athletics and it's a massive barrier in performing arts as well any time we attempt to try something, we kill the natural in it. So for in instance, in acting, one of the things I work with a lot of singers who are in acting as well, and obviously a lot of my work with musical theatre performers is about acting through song. The second we as an audience member notice that someone is acting, we lose the whole thing. We've lost our audience and that demonstrates a complete lack of skill. <laughs> or it demonstrates someone has got in their head and they've started to worry about something and they've become self-conscious. As -hmm. soon as we become self-conscious, we lose the ability to communicate effectively. And so this whole area of, uh, I don't like psychology as much as I like neurology, but that's another conversation. But the point is this whole thing of helping people not to get stuck in their heads is a huge deal. And so if we go back to why is there a stigma around vocal coaching? Well, I think we have to acknowledge there isn't with everyone, but for many people there is, and I think it goes back to this idea of vulnerability. And it goes back to this idea of I am naked and there's someone here who's going to criticize me. But also, I think it's because there's a stigma around the idea of what a trained voice sounds like. So when people listen to me, they're like, oh, I can hear that you're a trained singer. Um, And on one level, I take that as a compliment. And on another level, I'm like, "Okay, something here I have to work on disguising my technique a little bit. Sometimes there's too much technique and not enough artist in what I do. And so, and that's because I spend all day, every day doing technique, Mm. because that's my job. And I know for some people they don't want to go and see a vocal coach because they are afraid that the vocal coach will train the uniqueness out of their voice and make them sound too polished. Now that is not an issue for the classical singer or for the uh, uh, musical theatre singer but it definitely is an issue for the singer-songwriter in the commercial uh, arena and when I say commercial I mean pop rock, jazz, uh, folk, anything that's not classical or musical theatre basically. And so that idea of having too much technique is an issue for some people. And so they don't want to go down that route in case the vocal coach or the singing teacher kills my voice. And you know what? That was an issue in the past because of the training of vocal coaches. Uh, Well, we didn't really have vocal coaches in the past. We had singing teachers and singing teachers. All they did was. Do the best they could with what they had and that was teaching classical technique because that's all they'd been taught so darling it's singing with a plum in your throat oh darling yawn a bit you know make sure you push with your tummy you know to support support the voice what on earth does support mean you know that's a big question and mm. one of the things that's been debunked so yeah the idea of the coach is a big deal to some people some i think for some to summarize it's because of the vulnerability required uh, and the humility with such that's required to have someone speak into that situation um, and for others it's a fear of losing the authenticity
0: yeah I love that it's interesting because I've had vocal coaching for a long time I think maybe like six years and my experience has only been that it's freed me up yeah and I think you know I've had a good teacher and I've also had sessions with you or a session with you, but I think what what I have discovered is I came to have singing lessons because I've always found with music, I'm someone who can hear stuff before I'm able, I have the technique to get there. So if I'm writing music, for example, I hear songs before I'm even, I even even have the skills to play the songs that I'm hearing. So I have to go and acquire those skills. And I knew that my voice, I was like, I know that there is more inside this, but I don't know how to deal with it and I also I my voice used to get tired really really often and I'd always been taught you know taking loads of air loads of air and actually that's that's like the worst advice so my voice was dry all the time and I found firstly that it's freed up my voice but also um and I think you've spoken into this it when you talk, talk talking about vulnerability is I've had to be really patient with myself and I think Unlike the piano where I can sit and practice no matter what mood I'm in, there are techniques that I've learned that I just know what to do. With the voice, if I'm upset, if I don't feel well, if I'm, if I'm happy, if it's really dry outside, if it's really wet out, moist outside, all of those things impact my voice. And because I can't see, in the way I can see what my hands are doing, I've had to be really patient with the process, which at times has been frustrating, but all it has done, is all the stuff you're talking about, and actually, it's making me want to to learn more and just to go more into it because I know actually, that if if the voice is about revealing your authentic self, it's a lifelong journey, and that's okay.
1: And I heard Dame Helen Mirren say the exactly same thing yesterday, and she was talking about in the context of acting how, you know, even now she still has voice lessons on a very regular basis even though she's one of the world's leading actresses and um, but i loved what you said there two things that you mentioned one was the consistency of over time uh, you know continuing six years of voice lessons um you know that consistency is so important but also you talked about patience with yourself it doesn't happen overnight And I think we have to acknowledge two things that are very uncomfortable for us as singers or artists going through a development process. And it's this, when we are attempting to learn something new, particularly in a biological system such as the voice, things may get worse before they get better. There is a process of destabilization that goes on as we... Unlearn one thing in order to learn something new. Now, it's important. The second thing that's important to say in the midst of that is that great vocal coaching is not about stopping you doing stuff, but it's about enabling you to do something. And so it's about adding to, not taking away. And yet, it's a great vocal coach will be honest with you and will tell you when you are doing something that is inhibiting you. Mm -hmm. And they'll be honest about the need to stop doing something in order to do something else, Mm -hmm. not just to stop doing something because it's bad for you. And, you know, our job is not to be punitive in the way that we work with people or so scrutinizing that people feel criticized. You know, one of the things people often say to me, in fact, the lady I was just teaching before I came on to speak to you said, Oh Rob, I, I love, my lessons with you because I always go away feeling so good and it's important that we get the balance between being relentlessly encouraging but ruthlessly honest Mm. and when I say ruthless I don't mean being ruthless with the person but being ruthless with everything that needs to be dealt with that inhibits them meeting the fullness of their potential but that potential is still bound up in that person's own emotional and psychological capacity to run the long race like you talked about the consistency the perseverance the ability to keep going and not give up when it becomes emotionally challenging and there is this thing uh, that we talk about in development called the change curve and uh, you can find it online you can look it up on on google the change curve And what the change curve demonstrates is that when we start something new, we have a high level of motivation and we're really excited about it. We might be nervous, but we're really excited. And what happens is very quickly, we become aware of our level of incompetence to achieve a particular thing. And then our motivation falls off a cliff. It nosedives. And at that point, we want to give up. Or we blame the teacher or we blame the coach or we blame people around about us. Why? Because we feel out of control. We have a decentralized locus of control at that point. And so rather than pressing through and facing our fears and acknowledging I don't at the moment have the skill and the ability to do that and recognize that as a legitimate part of the process we freak out we go back to what we knew how to do before because we can get control and we're like oh that that person was rubbish that vocal coach was rubbish that psychologist was rubbish that therapist was rubbish that sports that personal trainer was rubbish you know rather than being very honest and humble and saying actually here i have to face the fear on the inside of me that is revealed the nakedness of my situation that is revealed here but here's the next thing in the change curve is if we persevere then what starts to happen is we start to build competence but at that point in time we may not be aware of it and we may hear our teacher or our coach saying to us do you know what you're doing so well you're doing so well and yet we're going but it doesn't sound any different to me it doesn't feel any different and our coach is saying Maybe not to you, but to me, I can see the development. And at that point, we have to have trust, and that's where building the relationship with the person is so important that we can press through that time period where it's so uncomfortable and where our client, for me, my client is vulnerable, is emotionally challenged, is finding everything so distressing. In actual fact, in order to help pull them through, that to that moment where they suddenly have the aha, it started to work, and then suddenly. The motivation skyrockets again and the progress takes off like a rocket and here's the thing we go through that many 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 times that process never ever stops but we love comfort
0: mm.
1: and i tell you what celine dion is belting uh, now two tones higher than 20 years ago just
0: for those who don't know what belting is without all the fancy technical language right <laughs>
1: What is belting? Quickly. Belting's a primal sound within the human voice. It's the highest, loudest sound the human voice can make without going into a kind of a, a head voice, woo, kind of sound. It's that big, loud sound that's almost like a yell. Um, mm. uh, and it's incredibly emotionally intense as well. We feel it when someone goes that. It's not simply singing loud and high. It is a very technical thing, as you know, which is why you just said all that. Um, uh, But it carries with it an intensity of emotion, which is phenomenal.
0: Here's an example of Rob teaching Belt. Okay,
1: what I want you to do is, first of all, I want you to stand nice and tall, arms above your head just move the hands back above the head until you feel the pecs engage and the chest open we're okay. not stretching we're not going for a stretch we're just going for a yeah just going for it to be uh, there and i want you to imagine you've got a basketball between your hands you're leaning back as if to throw it
0: Ooh, okay anyone please say
1: So, change the vowel from som to sam. Yeah. The sam, when you can't belt on it, oh, there, it's not going to happen.
0: Okay. I need someone.
1: Voila, great, go again. I would say this though. Mm -hmm. try to reduce the amount of air that you're taking in on the in-breath go for a slightly smaller in-breath because obviously you're releasing quite a lot of breath at the end of each phrase and that's stylistically appropriate Mm -hmm. but it's just a question of how much
0: yeah yeah i'm not
1: so we want to regulate that because we don't want that stylistic thing which is good to compromise the position we need really really great really great okay let's try it just with the track
0: Rob oh I love this conversation um before we end tell us where we can find I, I'll, I'll put all the details in the, the you know in the blur but tell us where we can find more about you so that people can come and learn from you
1: yeah so my Vocal Coaching website is robkatesvoice.com and Kates is spelt with a C. <laughs> so check out Matsy's, and Matsy's link, robkatesvoice.com and uh, just fill out the contact form um, and then I'll be able to come back to you. If you have any questions, then feel free to fire off questions through the, uh, through the website as well. Um, and on the website, you can look at the five pillars that I work with people five areas that i work with people on uh, but it's just my huge privilege to get to do what i do
0: mm. and, I, and i can feel that it's been really wonderful i like to end everything by asking what music are you listening to right now
1: Ah, uh, the artist i'm loving listening to at the moment so i'm going to give you two um one from uh the christian worship world which is john thurlow um he is releasing some hour-long acoustic sessions on his youtube channel at the moment which are just so exquisitely beautiful um tremendous musician amazing singer um and i i just love getting lost in those for an hour and then in terms of commercial artist at the moment j hud uh, jennifer hudson that voice that voice is just yeah that yeah that's all I can say about her. That voice. That's it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Rob, thank you so much. I really, really appreciate you taking your time. Thank oh, it's you.
1: Been absolute joy. Bless you. Thank you.
0: Thank you so much to Rob Cates for all his vocal geekery, as he likes to call it. A thoroughly informative interview. I found that, you know, the more I understand about my voice, the more I realise how little I actually know. Thank you also to his student, musical theatre actress Virginia Soroli, for letting me use her vocal lessons as examples. Please visit Rob's website for more information. And while you're at it, why not book a few lessons, details of which are in the blurb below. And as always, you know what to do. Share, like, subscribe to the podcast on the SoundCloud and Insta platforms at Ladder hashtag H-U-T-L. Holding up the ladder is taking a short break, but I'll be back in a few weeks where I'll be joined by Thomas J. Price, a multidisciplinary artist who works in sculpture, film, photography and performance.
1: The the, the figures that I do, you know, the reason I I, I, I take cues from sort of ancient Western um, art, so the work of the Greeks, uh, and then later obviously the Romans he took from that. Um, it's because that's what's been, you know, what's become the de facto, the go-to visual language for portraying, you know,
0: greatness or affluence or any kind of positive characteristic. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, people
1: always talk about the classics and, you know, go to eat and all these good, you know, colleges and, uh, you know, they're always referencing the classics. So I wanted to crack into that world, but, yeah, subvert it in the sense where I would include myself without any apology.
0: Until next time.